Welcome to Uxbridge Beat, the podcast where we feature the who's who of Uxbridge, Ontario. My name is Jennifer Navu Campsell. And I'm Scott Campsell. Andy Laconan is the owner of BodyFit Health Club here in Uxbridge. Not only is BodyFit the biggest and best equipped gym in town, it's also where Okami Kai Martial Arts and Fitness is located. Andy is no stranger to our community, having been born and raised here, but he is also actively involved in various town activities through sports and his volunteer work. In our small town, we are very fortunate to have a facility for our business to share an amazing space with. Additionally, BodyFit Health Club is also our own personal choice for our own fitness and weight training. Let's get into the heavy lifting of it all now and find out more about Andy and his passion for operating an excellent fitness facility. glad you're with us. We want to talk about the gym and we want to talk about the gym going 24 hours. So take us back in your thought process of how that originated. The 24 hours portion, not the gym in itself. Sure. So the gym had set hours for the longest time. So for the last whatever it is, 24 years prior to COVID anyway, had set hours from 530 in the morning till 1030. And we always thought that was pretty sufficient. However, Everybody always says, well, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make those hours. COVID hit, it really beat us up a lot. And from there we had to make a decision. What are we gonna do to try and track more people to come back after COVID restrictions were taken away? And the one thing, and well, it was the largest, I would call it maybe an excuse or reason to not join the gym was because of hours. So it was just at that point we said, you know what, if we're gonna do this, we're going all in. And so that was when we decided to go 24 hours. It was pretty straightforward. There was no hesitation in doing it. We just knew that if we didn't do something, then it was going to be a lot more difficult to recover. What were some of the biggest obstacles you faced? Uh, technology by far, because what we had to do is we had to implement a brand new club management system that was web-based. Then we had to integrate doors so that we could have the fob access. And those doors, of course, weren't electronic doors. They were just manual doors. And same thing with the turnstile. So everything works. I wouldn't call it a patchwork, but certainly retrofit. And so trying to coordinate something that works in real time online to something that's mechanical takes time because the interface of the actual club management system, we've set a delay, but it's only about 10 minutes, so it's not that bad. But technology was by far the biggest challenge and certainly the most expensive. So going back to the beginning of your athletic or gym career, you originally were a police officer. Is that right? No, I had the gym before that. Okay, this is news to me. So you had a gym and then you went into policing. Yeah, so when I graduated from U of T in 95, I came back up to Uxbridge and that was when I worked for the small gym that was here at the time and that was in the Testa building. After a year of me working there, the owner approached me and asked if I was interested in buying the place and we tried to work something out. It didn't work out in the end. And then so when she decided to close her doors, I found an opportunity to open up ours. So that was in 96. And when we opened it up, that was in the Chester building. I didn't start policing until 2004. And so you managed to do both careers at the same time? Yes. <laughs> but then you I, left I, yeah, policing. I, I say that and I hesitate. Well, so yeah. So policing was something that I always wanted to do. It was either going to be policing or firefighting. So even when I came back out of U of T to work for that one gym, at that time I was going through trying to become a firefighter. That was my first real choice. At that time, unfortunately for me, it was a very... Prevalent time of affirmative action, and I got all the way to the point of interviews every single time, and the one I'll never forget is where I sat, this was before Toronto had amalgamated, so this was for the city of Scarborough at the time, and I got to the final interview stage, and they said that they were going to be making, I believe it was about 100 hires at the time, 
And they said, you're going to be placed in one of two designated hiring pools. One is considered designated. The other one is non-designated. From those, we will draw people in as we start filling those hundred spots. And during the interview, I was offered an opportunity to ask questions. So my question was, how do I know what pool I'm going to go into? Like, which pool are you hiring from and how does it work? And the two chiefs looked at each other and then they looked at the human resources lady and said, this one's for you. (laughs) And she said, well... The designated hiring pool is for women and minorities, and the non-designated hiring pool is for all others. And I said, so I guess I'm in all others. And she says, yes. And I said, so how does it work? She says, well, we will hire from the designated hiring pool first. That pool will remain live for six months. If you're not called within six months, you have to start again. And that was a two-year process. So at that time, I said, I'm not interested anymore. So that was when I determined that, you know what, I think I'm going to go and try policing. It's not as competitive. It is still competitive, but it still took me another 18 months, almost two years to get into policing. And you left it because it just wasn't the right fit for you? No, it it was a great fit. I actually really, really enjoyed it. But at that time, that was when we had moved from the original Testa location over to Reach Street. And so it was like basically triple the size, triple the work. And when we had gotten to the point where the gym was growing, Uh, I had to make a decision because I'd also received an offer of a promotion while I was policing. So my background in policing that I really enjoyed and did the most of was forensics. And so when I was doing that, I was offered a position to move to what's called IDENT. IDENT is the main place at Jane and 401 area. And when you're a forensics officer, you are considered to be an expert witness when it comes to court. And that means every single court case you're involved in, you show up to court. You cannot get out of that. And so what I did is I put pen to paper and I determined that from, I went from a period of January to June, so six months of uh, my forensic work divisionally to find out how much court time had I done at that point. And a lot of the time court is done off duty. So in other words, on your off time, you're having to go into court. At that time, it was five and a half weeks of time that I had to go and spend in court. Knowing that if I went to IDENT, I'd have to spend probably triple that I had to make a decision. There's no way I was going to have a family, have a gym and have that career. It would have been impossible. So I reached out to my superiors and I asked, is there a possibility for me to do any kind of a um, leave of absence or something like that? And they said, absolutely not. So I said, listen, I I just need to figure something out. If I can sell the gym or do something like that, I'm policing is where I want to be. And they said, no, absolutely not. So it made my decision pretty easy. I put my letter of resignation in. I left on really good terms. They said, if you want to come back, let us know. But I wasn't going to, you know, leave my family, not watch my kids grow up. That just wasn't an option. So that's why I left. What's your lineage in athletics? You were sporty in high school and elementary school? Yeah, I school? played everything. So all the way through uh, public school, I played pretty much every sport. Uh, I started in hockey and at seven years old. So I played the minor hockey in town. And then from there, I decided I really, really enjoyed javelin for whatever reason. I just did. I picked it up and... Uh, when I was about 12 years old, I started at my house with a broomstick and a, a bolt stuck in the end of it. And I just started throwing <laughs> it around. And when Hopefully I got into, outside, right? <laughs> yeah, it was outside. Yeah, I, What I did is I literally I threw it back and forth across the pond. That was what I did. And so in grade nine, you're given the opportunity to actually throw a real javelin. So I went out and I did that and I was throwing really, really well. So I decided that I was going to make the switch from hockey to javelin because indoor training for track and field is through the winter so you can't do both and so that was when i joined uh, track and field club in oshawa and i started doing javelin a little bit more seriously and yeah so that was when i had my best years won provincial championships and stuff like that so yeah so javelin was that and then going into university because i still played football through high school i was quarterback 
and I was a walk-on for U of T. I played a year. Unfortunately, the guys who were ahead of me on the lineup, I was third string. There's no way I was going to get playing time. So that was pretty much when that stopped. <laughs> but yeah, that's my background. And then, of course, growing up, my kids are all involved in sports. And so when I had left policing, Reggie was maybe, so he's my youngest. He was about, I don't even think he was a year old at the time. And no, he would have been. He would have been two years old. And so they were just getting into activities. Charlie was just starting into baseball, and that was when I started coaching baseball. So I followed them all the way through baseball, coached them all the way up to AAA elite level for about 11 years. So now you're a gym owner, 24-hour gym owner. Talk to us a little bit about some of the fads and fashions you've seen come and go in gym lifestyles. Lifestyles or like, <laughs> like what people wear to the gym? No, no, gosh, no, let's not, let's not talk about Leg that. Leg warmers. Or what Leg they warmers. don't wear. Uh, no, let's not talk about that. No, I, I guess, I mean, you know, the fitness industry goes through trends and it yep. goes through things that are, you know, really fashionable and have to be the, the big game changer. And then that fades away and something else comes in. Yeah. For me, I would see fads come through, but I tried not to fall victim to them because I knew that they were going to come and go. I found that when we first started, we also offered fitness classes. And, and a lot of the time I found the fads fell through fitness classes. You'd have different types of classes. It could be step and then they would bring in the stability ball and then they would bring in a whole bunch of different apparatuses. And then Pilates became big. But then with Pilates, you had to have certain balls and these other, I wouldn't even know what to call them, but they, I referred to them as like thigh masters back from the Susanna summer days. And so those are the fads that I see where, where people are trying to usually introduce a piece of equipment that they think is going to be the next revolutionary piece that everybody's going to use and it's going to help them out. That's probably where I'd see most of the fads are as an equipment. But again, like I said, I don't really try to fall victim to those things. When I see them, I look at them and I really determine whether or not this is something truly breakthrough. But yeah, I would say that probably over the course of every five years, you'll see it. And then the other thing that comes up here is, and I wouldn't necessarily call them fads, but I would certainly say that they kind of come and go generally comes from the States. For example, and I still think that they're fantastic, and I'm not knocking them at all, but CrossFit. CrossFit it was massive at one period of time. A lot of people liked it. It was really different. They built a fantastic community of people, and they had a really, really unique product. And it started in a guy's garage, really. So that was really good to follow. But unfortunately, it got really serious. And then they had their CrossFit games, and now you see his muscle heads. And I think that that kind of became a deterrent. And then I know by speaking personally to chiropractors, they love CrossFit because there's a lot of people that go there. So unfortunately, I, I wouldn't call them a fad, but there's certainly something that was introduced to the fitness industry that was a lot different. They're still going, but not as strong as they were. Other things that come up from the States, for example, Orange Theory is a really interesting concept where it's nothing but group classes, but relatively large. If you were walking into a place, it looks just like a gym, but really all they offer is group fitness. That's a little bit different. So yeah. Going back to equipment, you bought a bunch of new equipment lately. How do you pick what should go in the gym and what shouldn't go in the gym? Uh, good question. When I determine what it is I'm going to put into the gym, I look at how functional it is. Who is it going to appeal to? I look at what people are using now and what that might replace. So, for example, the glute machine that we have in there. A lot of people did glute presses and most people did them either on the floor, like unweighted, like not loaded. Or they would do them underneath the Smith machine, which meant that that bar was really uncomfortably placed on your hip. So you had to put a pad underneath it. And then I bought, um, it was a pad that was supposed to be exclusive for the glute presses. 
and that pad, it was good, but you still had to have a bar sitting right on top of you. But you see guys and girls using it. So I knew that it wasn't something that was just going to be for one demographic of the gym. So I decided, you know what, this is actually a good buy. So I contacted my guy and sure enough, that's how I got it because it's way more comfortable, easy to use. I wouldn't know if I'd call it safer, but a lot more comfortable. When you mentioned demographic, I think that's one of the things that you've hit the nail right on the head with that you've just scored an A plus. You've hit all the demographics with that gym. Everybody from who are certainly high needs, needing a lot of attention, like rehabilitative clients, that type of thing, to the young teenagers who are just happy to get in there and lift weights to everything in between, the really serious athletes and then the you know, the people who just like to come in and read a book on a machine type yeah. thing. So congratulations on that. And what I really like about that is the fact that you have managed to make all of those people in those demographics feel comfortable and feel welcome. Thanks. Yeah. I don't know if there's a question or not, but yeah. No, no, no. I just, that, was, that was just a statement. I just, I, I like that. I mean, we're there everything from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. on any given day. So I see the entire sort of cross-section of, of people who are coming in and certainly it changes by time period and I love the fact that you know in the morning it's your older crowd and they're doing their thing and then it moves on from there to the high school kids and then the late night shift workers and you're hitting it all but not yeah. only just because of it, the fact that it's 24 hours but because it is and yourself proclaimed the best you know fitted fitted gym what's what's your what's your slogan the uh yeah the largest and best equipped gym in Uxbridge. best equipped gym in Uxbridge. that's right so with all of those positives what's your downfall where where are you having challenges you want to find my weak links i'm gonna really tell you <laughs> 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 um challenging things are always staff staff is always going to be one of the hardest things to make sure that you can get right that said because we've been around long enough, we have systems in place to make sure that when we're trying to hire people, we, I'll give you an example. Trying to get somebody to follow instructions sometimes can be a challenge. You can ask them what to do, but they may not necessarily do it properly. So the way we look at it is that when we hire somebody, we can't teach personality, but we can teach instruction. So the first thing I want to see is how well they can follow instructions. So like with a blue pen. You got it. So that's basically a, a simple screening question that we'd start. So when we put on an ad, we will ask a person to fill out the ad online. And then from there, one of the autoresponder emails is, thank you very much for the application. Please see the attached document. If you wouldn't mind just printing that out, fill it out in blue pen, bring it into the front desk, attach your certifications and your resume. And they will attempt to do that. We've had so many people try to do different variations of it. We've had people try to create a PDF fillable document out of it so that they fill it on like typing into it. Other people just fill it in in a pencil. Other people don't attach their stuff to it. So simple things like that. If they can't follow simple instructions, then I mean, the screen's been successful. And then the second thing that we do with hiring has to do with my team. I, I really have a lot of respect for the people that work for me. And I want to make sure that if I'm going to hire somebody, that they're going to be a good fit for them too, because they have to work with them. Everybody, even though they work individually while they're at the desk, they still have to work as a team because they have to decide, you know, what's going to happen if they're going to get their job done or if they can't, they got to let the other person know, or if they need time off, they work with each other and scheduling and so forth. So I want to make sure I have a team player. My screen for that, real simply, is when a person drops that stuff off, do they actually make eye contact with my front desk staff? Do they care who my front desk staff is? Or are they just trying to say, oh, this is for Andy? 
And then that's it. Because I always tell them at the front desk, you're going to be getting some stuff coming in. Try and engage the person. See if they give you eye contact. Are they chatty or are they not? Do they just kind of shelter in place and take off after they dropped it? And that's another way that we determine too. So all my staff, whenever I get those uh, applications in, they make personal notes on it and they attach that to me. So I see exactly how they treated my staff at the front desk. So as a challenge, there's ways that we overcome it, but staffing is definitely one. As far as other challenges go, I wouldn't say that there's anything that really drives me crazy that we haven't really come across. You deal with things that you can control. That's the way I've always looked at it. Things that you can't control, don't make a big deal out of it because <laughs> you can't really do much about it. So. And now that you've gone 24 hours, you're always going to have gate jumpers and you're always going to have tailgaters and things like that. Yeah. And if you don't have some Teflon about you, it is going to just drive you mental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have our policies in place for that as well. Megan, uh, one of my admins, she, one of her main jobs in the morning when she comes in is just to check the check-in versus the camera at the front door. And when the camera clicks on, somebody who's already passed her fob across the door, we can see now who comes through the door at that time. If they're bringing in a second person, then we know right away. But we also know whose fob was tapped. So again, if people can't read the sign that's on the door versus the two foot by three foot sign that's in the foyer or the, the vestibule versus the other sign that's right at the tap in by the turnstile, then yeah, you're eligible for a nice $150 fine. But <laughs> instead of being punitive, we don't keep that money. That's not what it's for. I make a good out of it and we donate that to Jumpstart. That's a great idea. I like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't make a big deal out of it, but that's what we do. Like people out, oh, you're just trying to do a money grab, but no, that's not, that's not it. The point is, is that you broke a rule. You brought somebody in here. There's liability beyond your probably thought at the time. And so we just have to make sure that the safety and protection of our members and the facility is paramount. And well, it's theft. Yeah. Like technically you're stealing something. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They bring somebody in for free and they do something like that. I get that part of it. But for me, a theft on a drop in $20 isn't as big of a deal as if a kid brings in somebody other, other kid and that kid happens to do something on a bench and leaves a weight out while another member trips and bangs their head. Unfortunately, the guy who brought that person in, the liability on them now is substantial because I'm not negligent for it. They're going to be negligent for it. Can you imagine your 14-year-old being sued for bringing another 14-year-old in? That's kind of where it's going to follow because we abide by our insurance policies very, very tightly. Like we don't stray on any of it. And so that's, that's just one of the things, but we just have to make sure that people are aware and they're told that when they first sign up and yeah, everybody's trying to do something because I know the other location in town, they let people get away with it and they were trying to go in for 24 seven. It was very well known. All the kids says, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll fob in and then I'll bring you in at night and nobody will know. And so it's unfortunate, but that happened. And so now we just had to take a much harder stance right away. And yeah, we've given out, I wouldn't say a massive number of fines, but enough that I think the word travels pretty quick common question we get at Okamikai Martial Arts and Fitness is what age can my child start karate? The answer is that we have children as young as three years old training with us. Austin is one of our amazing students and he told us some of his favorite things about our program. Do lots of stuff like karate, like wakeboard, kicks, and blocks, and punches. I can do anything. Austin can do anything and we are excited to help bring out his potential and your child's too. We use martial arts as a tool to help your child build confidence, focus, self-discipline and respect for others. Contact us at Okamikai Martial Arts and Fitness to get your child started today. You're very involved with Jumpstart, like you said. We yeah. had your block party as well. So there are 
more out, and, the, and the toy drive as well. So there are more outreach programs that you are a part of in the community. It's not just a gym where people come, the doors open, the doors close. You're very dedicated to being involved in the community as well. What are you most proud of? I, I don't know. I don't get involved for how I feel, the intrinsic feeling. For me, I do it because I think it's important to do. One of our core values at the gym and one of my own personal core values is community involvement. It's basically what it is. A lot of people like to just be able to give money to something, which is noble, but giving your time is probably more important. If you've ever been involved in something in town, you realize how difficult it is to get volunteers. It's very hard. So as far as pride goes, I, I, I don't do it for a sense of pride. I would say that I do it because I think that if we didn't do it, half of the things that were made available to me when I was young would not have been made available. So playing hockey, coaches don't get paid. Playing soccer, coaches don't get paid. All the administrators, the executives on those boards, they don't get paid. They're the ones that have to organize it all. And so as a kid, you don't see it, but as an adult, you appreciate it. <laughs> and so that's, that's, I would say, why I do it, because I want to make sure that those things still continue on in town. Do you think that's, like you and I are both local, like we're both raised here. Do you think that is ingrained in you because of the fact that this is your community? Or do you think you'd feel that same way? Well, I do it anywhere else. I want to be involved. And I think for anybody who comes to Uxbridge and they say, well, how do I get involved in the community? What can I do? Volunteer, because we get a lot of people who've just moved into town, come into the gym and, and they want to know, you know, how do I get to know what's going on in town? Get involved by volunteering. And when you do that, you can never understand the number of fantastic relationships that you're going to start to build, um, the networking that's there. It's second to none. And again, it's just getting involved with the community. People that you might not have ever met before, you're going to meet there. And so truly, I think it's probably one of the best ways to really help your community, but also do the right thing if that's uh, you know kind of a term for it. What's next for you? What do you think as far as you got any goals with the gym or is there anything, maybe personal goals? What's your, what's the future hold for Andy? Well, Something that not a lot of people know about is I'm a beekeeper. And so the gym right now is doing very well. And I'm fortunate enough to have my eldest son and my staff there really start to take the reins. So my time isn't always necessarily required as much as what it would have been before. And so I'm glad to see that they're able to do that. And so this year I actually got my farm business registration number. So our property is now considered a farm. So I'm increasing my beekeeping business and we're also growing vegetables and stuff like that. It's just something I really, really like doing something where I know some people, for example, they say they hate cutting grass because it's boring. I love sitting on a tractor for three hours. I have no problems with that whatsoever. So when I'm out tending the bees or doing anything like that, I just love doing it. That's the kind of a thing where I can see myself working off into the sunset when I'm old, just sitting back there with the bees and picking vegetables, doing stuff like that. So <laughs> that's going to be what's next for me. I wouldn't say that's a big thing, but that's definitely next for me. So I'm planned out that way. Do you mention Charlie taking over the gym? Is there a time you guys are button heads? Like, is there a point where you say, this is the way I would do it um, a different way? I know initially, yes, because when Charlie was first getting involved, he understood the business, but I don't think he understood the business behind the business, if you know what I mean. And so at that time, I wouldn't say we butted heads. I just had to explain some things to him more. But now he comes out with some phenomenal ideas like he is really in tune with what's going on he's a real people person people really like him every now and then we have disagreements but we talk and we try not to discuss too much at home we try to do it at the gym like i would rather not bring all that stuff home it does happen every now and then but it's usually because he says hey dad i got an idea what do you think which is pretty cool if you have a young up-and-coming person who's wanting to open their own gym what would be your advice work for another gym first 
understand the business. Don't do it because you love it, like working out and all that stuff. It's a business first and foremost. I think that that's where a lot of gyms have failed. They started it because they really like working out or they lost a lot of weight. And so then they think, oh, well, I'm going to teach everybody else how to do it. But there's a business like you have to understand your numbers. You better understand that stuff first. So work with the gym, start to understand how the business works. See if you enjoy that part of it first. And if you don't, your hobby that you had now is going to turn into a job that you're not going to like. And that's the worst. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. Rapid fire? fire? Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. What's what? that? <laughs> <laughs> Start running. Serve a Nope. I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and you just give me quick answers. And if they're not quick, that's okay too. Because we're pretty flexible around here. Sometimes. We'll One do- word answers? Yeah. No, they don't have to be, but originally it was like that. It was like, okay, we'll give you a really quick questions and we just get your really quick answers. And we always find that we end up diverging yeah. off into some other area you know, just because yeah. of the fact that. So take your time. I think I know the answer to this, but one. Dogs or cats? Cats. Winter or summer? Summer. Your favorite piece of equipment at the gym? For you personally? For me? The new uh, Stepmaster. Oh, those are great. <laughs> They're my fave yeah. too. Love it. What's your favorite food? Hmm, that's a good. I would say chili. And is there a place in town that makes the best chili other than uh, your wife? No. No? <laughs> oh, my wife makes awesome chili. Yeah, we actually just had a bunch this week, so. What's your favorite restaurant in town? Oh, that might get me in trouble because I do have a lot of friends that are involved with restaurants in town. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know what? I wouldn't say that I have a favorite. I do do my very best to patronize all of them. And I would say that every single one of them has their benefits as to why I would go to that one. Um, One might be because they have a certain type of beer on top that the other one might not have. And there's one thing that used to happen in town. It was uh, when Sean used to own Jersey's, which I think is called Corner House now. And this is just to point out to any restaurant, if you offer escargot, I'll be there in a heartbeat. Nobody (laughs) has escargot as an appetizer anymore. So yeah, so that whichever restaurant tends to offer escargot, I will go there first, so. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What's the worst part of gym ownership? The worst part? Yeah. Ooh, this isn't really a rapid fire question. I I don't know if there's a worse part. Like, I I wouldn't say that I've ever had something that I, I guess the worst part would have been during COVID when there's an unknown. That that by far in in, in my whole career was you have no control over anything and you're kind of stuck. So the worst part of any kind of business would be, I guess, the unknown. What's the best part of of your job? Freedom. (laughs) If there's one person who's alive that you could speak to and just garner some wisdom or knowledge or just to spend some time with them who would you like to spend some time with who's living who's living oh boy i'm trying to think like i i don't i don't aspire to speak to people who i haven't already met okay Um, so who's somebody that you really enjoy spending time with that you had a whole day and you said okay i'm gonna invite this person i don't know for a coffee or go for work out with say melody I spend, you know what, again, because I'm so lucky with the gym that I can pick my own hours. I can go in when I want. And Melanie, now with her career, she works from home an awful lot. So we spend a lot of time together, trust me. And I don't mind spending time with my wife. Uh, Not at all. Um, (laughs) Here comes the butt. (laughs) One person in the business world in this town that I really do enjoy spending time with is Pat Higgins. I have to give you that. So. 
Well, I know when you change locations and we had to change locations at the same time and, and, it, and for some reason it just sort of merged really well and, and uh, I know that maybe in the first couple of years it was sort of like moving in with somebody brand new and we we're trying to figure things out, but uh, I can't think of a better combination, you and me, and, and uh, I, I think it's amazing that even after so many years we can learn stuff about just each other we can be in the same room we don't talk so oh no exactly yeah. yeah and i actually like that like it's not that we're best friends or anything like that but i would say we're certainly friends and the thing i like about it is that businesses run best when you're not trying to run it with your friends mm-hmm. it's very very difficult and so you can get to know the person do whatever you want but it's so much better to have separate lives and then that way, uh, I find that, you know, it just tends to work better. And well, so, yeah. thank you for running a parallel path with us and yeah, yeah. living your separate life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get along by, by not being with each other. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say that definitely, like, I, I would agree. The partnership that we've had, business relationship that we've had has been just nothing but cooperative. And even though the businesses are different, they're similar enough that people will enjoy being in the same space. I can remember, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but this was probably when you guys, I know you still run Little Dragons, but when you first started Little Dragons, I would get comments from a lot of the older members that would come over to me and say, it is so nice to see kids in this space. Hmm. Like that was the one thing that they really, really, really enjoyed because we, we obviously can't offer that for young kids and you guys can. So I think that that fills a real big gap when it comes to, community because when people see little kids older people young everybody in that like truly when you walk into our space and i'm going to say our space because it truly is our space uh, like yours and mine mm-hmm. that people do feel like it's just like uxbridge it's very much like a community center so we love that too thanks mm-hmm. for spending the time with us oh you're welcome back to your bees <laughs> when i was a kid i grew up in a household where we actually had a gym in our basement My older brother is a bodybuilder and he's 11 years older than I am. So as a little kid, I grew up lifting weights. It was a no brainer for me. It was around and I wanted to hang out with my big brother and that was one way to do it. As I got older, the first moment that I could join a gym per se, I did. I was 14. And then I used to take the Parks and Rec fitness classes in Scarborough where I grew up. And in fact, I liked it so much that I wanted to teach. And I wasn't old enough to teach. You had to be 18 in order to go through the process. And I think I was maybe 16 or 17. So I lied on my application and changed my birthday so that (laughs) they would actually consider me. I didn't actually get through. I don't I don't know why, clearly, but I don't know why. But I have always been passionate about fitness and working out. And I am lucky like that. But there are a lot of people who are too scared to make the first step of walking through the front door of a gym. And what I love about BodyFit is right off the bat, the people at the front are friendly and they welcome new people in. And we see that every day with all of the new faces and people that we're seeing at the gym and who are showing up now on a consistent basis. And I think it's, I think it's great. I love that. Okay. So let's, let's go back to what you just said. And let's talk about the fact that even back then you were lying about your age. Okay. I don't, it was the reverse of what you do now. <laughs> was, you were actually trying to be older, but even then you were lying about your age. I was just trying to make a point that I really enjoy working out. Sorry, did I miss the point? You did. You <laughs> okay. just talk about me lying. But 
back to the gym. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but you and I've talked about it before. There, there's some kind of weird catch 22 type situation where we'll get phone calls from people going, I'd, I'd like to get into shape and I think martial arts and fitness will do it for me. And then we've got other people that we'll talk to and we'll say, Oh, would, are you interested in doing martial arts? Well, I have to get in shape in order to do that. I'm, I'm not, not in good enough shape to do that. And, and it's, so there's sort of weird dichotomy. There's some kind of gray area where you have to be in shape to be in shape. For some reason, some people think that. And so I would like to, first of all, give kudos to the people who have gotten over that sense or that preconceived notion, which is really quite false and have had the courage to walk through the doors and join a gym and show up consistently. And I would also like to just give a general shout out and and invitation to those of you who are intimidated and who feel like you're too out of shape to get into shape or too embarrassed to being in that kind of a facility. Everybody's welcome where we are. BodyFit welcomes everybody, all ages, all abilities. If there's something that you don't know, somebody's going to help you with it. And it's not a place where there's shaming or there's gym fail nonsense that gets posted or anything like that. It's just a really welcoming and supportive community. And I think that those of you who might have that fear or that concern that you won't fit in, I'd like you to just try it. Just come on in and try it. It's really hard for anybody in any business to sell anything because you have to create the need in the person and the desire for them to want that product or service. And fitness is probably one of the weirdest things to try to sell because you have to make someone go past their excuses because they already know there's a need. It's not like there's been some hidden secret that, yeah, you have to get moving. Oh, it's like, all of a sudden, oh, really? I have to get active? I have to move? Well, no, it, it's pretty much out there. And well, I have to be stronger. I have to, that's going to help me live longer. And it's not like this is a hidden secret. This is, everybody knows the secret, but they've got the excuses. So Andy's trying to do his best to try to break down those excuses 24 seven. The gym is open 24 seven, yet we know there are still going to be people that say, I don't have the time to work out. And so now there's an excuse. Well, you've got to go past that excuse. Well, I'm not in shape. Well, how are you going to get in shape? There's an excuse. Well, I've got kids. I've got, well, but wouldn't your kids want to see you live longer? And we know that this is going to improve your health and your overall longevity. I think we do a a, sort of a temporary sign out in the front. And one of the slogans we, I ended up stealing it, I think from a a meme that I saw somewhere. And it just basically said, be stronger than your excuses. And so I think, how could we not, once we've just done a podcast with the gym owner, you and I are both subletting space from the gym where we're doing martial arts and fitness. How can we not throw that out and try to ask for a call to action from people that are listening right now and saying, you know, hey, this is the place. If you, We are wanting to work out and we're wanting to make you better. And we're what, what's funny is where people say, well, I'm not in shape. I need to get in shape so that I can go and be in shape. And, and there's that weird gray area. There's also a weird gray area with us too. For some reason, 
people think that we're providing a service to them, but I can safely say, especially after going through a pandemic where now we're doing in-person classes where before we were online, you guys feed us too. People that come in that are our students, like especially the kids, the kids, are, you know, like, that was what fueled me through the whole COVID-19 thing. But the conversations I've had with adults and we've got one woman that's training with us now and you were even talking about it this morning, how you had this great moment that she you'd given her a hug and she just was so appreciative of it and, and we feed each other and I think where Andy's talking about the community of the gym and, and the community of our building and I'm throwing it out to anyone who's listening now that if you're nervous about coming in we want you to join our community come on and join us BodyFit welcomes you Okamakai Martial Arts and Fitness welcomes you and we will do our best to get you moving This has been a Campbell Broadcasting production. A good husband says his wife doesn't need to lie about her age. A great husband says that she does, because nobody would believe that she's actually as old as she is if she told the truth anyway. That's right. There's a reason why we can work together without her strangling me.